This is our league, and this is your league. From the 55-yard line on CFL America Radio and the Sports History Network. Sensational 60s, rousing, roisterous, rambunctious, the golden decade when the sports fans of America made professional football king for a Sunday afternoon. The eyes of a nation turned to the spectacle of a sport, a sport tooled and tuned and polished for all America to behold through the magic eye of the television camera. Ready, one, one. Green left, 61, check. Zone two, ready? This goes Okay, you have a brown right. Red left, four, three. The snap of the ball and the violent swirl of flashing armor plate. And every autumn Sunday, America lived a little and died a little. sensational 60s, the golden decade when America made professional football king for a Sunday afternoon. popularity of pro football can be traced to many elements. One is unpredictability. Pro football is also a game of unabashed joy, a celebration of life. A game where the rewards are that much sweeter because pain is inevitable. An ever smoldering pride is always within, waiting to burst, flaming to the surface. The appeal of the game is also the explosive sight of a runner bursting free, 
A man leaping, bounding, twisting, dashing, weaving, slicing his way forward through a field filled with danger. carrying a football reached new levels of excitement during the 60s. It was an art whose appeal was matched only by the super refinement of the forward pass, as developed by Baltimore Colt perfectionists, John Unitas and Raymond Barry. perfected passing game added a new element of grace and beauty to the game. From anywhere on the field, a new kind of excitement was always primed to explode. counteract the new offensive firepower, a new kind of explosiveness evolved. As the players became bigger, stronger, and faster, the game became increasingly hazardous, and therefore even more exciting for player and spectator alike. agility and daring, a game of pride, pain and joy. Pro football in the 60s became a game for every man on a Sunday afternoon. During the 60s, many hundreds of men contributed to the success story of professional football. Most of them remain unknown to the average fan. A few stood out from the rest. And like the players themselves, a few plays stood out among the thousands which took place during the decade. 
most unusual play occurred in 1964, when a San Francisco pass from George Myra to Bill Kilmer resulted in the fumble. Minnesota defensive end Jim Marshall gratefully scooped up the loose ball and scampered 66 yards the wrong way. spectacular plays of the decade were probably those in which a single player defeated seemingly impossible odds, breaking tackle after tackle all the way to a touchdown. New Orleans running back Charlie Brown had one such glory run, but the man who seemed to specialize in this kind of play was tight end John Mackey of the Baltimore Colts. Days, Jim Brown of the Cleveland Browns set virtually every rushing record in the book. In 1965, just as Jim Brown was departing the game that he had made look so easy, a comet from Kansas flashed across America's television screens. He wore Chicago Bears jersey number 40. His name was Gale Sayers, and he rapidly became the most exciting player in the history of the game.
the 60s produced a number of worthy champions. First came the 1960 Philadelphia Eagles, led by Norm Van Brocklin's passes to a human rubber ball named Tommy McDonald. The Eagles won the 1960 NFL championship by defeating an inexperienced but spirited young team called the Green Bay Packers. Within a year, Packer coach Vince Lombardi had transformed Green Bay, Wisconsin into Title Town, USA. In the 1961 NFL championship, the Packers rolled over the New York Giants 37-0 as halfback Paul Horning on leave from the Army set a championship game scoring record with 19 points. Lombardi's Packers had convincingly won the first title game ever played in Green Bay. One year later, in 1962, the Packers again met the Giants for the NFL championship. This time, high winds and frigid weather dictated a more basic confrontation. The game was decided by guard Jerry Kramer's three field goals as the Packers won their second consecutive NFL championship. New York had lost two consecutive titles. A year later, the Giants and quarterback Y.A. Tittle would have one more chance in the 1963 NFL championship in Chicago. But the rugged bear defense gave Tittle one of his worst days. They defeated him physically and intercepted five passes as league founder and Chicago Bear coach George Hallis won his eighth and last NFL championship. In 1964, John Unitas tried to return the Colts to power, but the Cleveland Browns shut him out. Quarterback Frank Ryan found receiver Gary Collins three times for touchdowns, and it was the Browns who returned to power 27 to nothing. Bay 1965, the Western Conference playoff between the Baltimore Colts and the Green Bay Packers. On the game's first play, a Bart Starr pass to Bill Anderson, a Lenny Lyles tackle, a Don Shinnick fumble recovery, and a 7-0 lead for Baltimore. Despite losing Bart Starr on the first play, the Packers came back. And with less than two minutes to play, and behind by three points, everything rode on Don Chandler's ability to kick a football. Chandler's controversial field goal sent the game into sudden death overtime. Another Chandler field goal sent Green Bay into the NFL championship against Cleveland, where the ground power of Jim Taylor and Paul Horning earned Lombardi's Packers the 1965 NFL Championship, their third in five years. In 
1966, Dallas was the site for the NFL's only warm weather championship of the decade. Green Bay's Bart Starr played one of his greatest games as he passed for more than 300 yards and four touchdowns. Tom Landry's Cowboys fought to the end and were not defeated until Don Meredith's last-minute pass from the two-yard line was intercepted in the end zone. One year later, Landry's Cowboys were fighting Green Bay's 15 below zero temperature as well as the Packers in the 1967 NFL Championship. Again, Bart Starr passed the Packers to an early lead. But in the fourth quarter, a Dan Reeves option pass to Lance Renzel put the Cowboys ahead 17 to 14. With time running out and 68 yards from a score, Bart Starr turned to his third string fullback, Chuck Mercine. From the one, Donnie Anderson was stopped twice, and Starr called his last time out with only 16 seconds remaining. Just one yard, one play, one good solid block by guard Jerry Kramer, and the Packers had won an unprecedented three consecutive NFL championships, and their fifth championship in seven years. And so, a town whose entire population could be seated in a single stadium, Green Bay, Wisconsin, was truly Title Town, USA. And the Green Bay Packers, the team Title Town loved, were truly the team of the decade. The fans, the players, the town, the team of the decade. More than anyone else, one man was responsible for the Packers' incomparable series of achievements during the 60s. And that man, Green Bay coach Vince Lombardi, was pro football's man of the decade. January 15, 1967, a new era was born. The NFL met the AFL for the first time in the first Super Bowl game. Hank Stram's Kansas City Chiefs played a surprisingly even first half against Vince Lombardi's Packers. But in the second half, crafty Packer veterans like Max McGee decided the game. and the Chiefs, it was a day of learning. The Bart Starr, Vince Lombardi, and the Packers. It was their day to show the world what they had known all along. 
One year later in Miami's Orange Bowl, the Packers played their last game under the fiery leadership of Vince Lombardi. The AFL was represented by the Oakland Raiders, who scored twice on passes to end Bill Miller. Bart Starr's passing game was clicking as it had the previous year. This time, his big play receiver was Boyd Dowler. Vince Lombardi's last victory as Green Bay coach was also the last display of the Packers' devastating domination of the pro football world. For the NFL, another world championship. For Vince Lombardi, a few steps closer to the Hall of Fame. For the AFL, another year of learning. And then a brash young AFL quarterback said, we'll win it, I'll guarantee it. The 1968 Baltimore Colts were called one of the greatest teams in NFL history. They seemed to have everything any team could want. NFL dominance seemed assured for at least another year. But the AFL representative this time was the New York Jets. And the rest is well-documented history. led the Jets to one of the greatest upsets in the history of sport. But more than that, he heralded a new era of competition for all of professional football. The swashbuckling Minnesota Vikings were the NFL's last champion of the 60s. But try as they did, mighty Joe Cap and the Vikings could not master the AFL's last champion, the Kansas City Chiefs, in the fourth Super Bowl game. Innovative coach Hank Stram and his ice water cooled quarterback Len Dawson mystified the vaunted Vikings with a brilliant multifaceted attack. In New Orleans on January 11, 1970, Pro football's greatest decade was concluded by two teams which were not yet born at the start of that decade. The last champion of the 60s was a team with the look of the 70s, the look of a fresh new decade of equal competition for all of pro football. A decade whose shining structure was built upon the many memorable events of the sensational 60s. 